How to start with intermittent fasting. This is the ultimate 101 guide you need for introducing yourself to intermittent, intermittent fasting. Also, also called time-restricted feeding since there are many different patterns of intermittent, intermittent fasting. It's intermittent fasting, not intermittent. It's not like a commitment, but it's more like an intermittent. So, well, I actually just recorded a 20-minute video about this certain topic and because I my microphone broke down before, I am using a different constellation than usually and this means I am connected to my music station and during the last video I just randomly played tracks, therefore you couldn't actually hear me speak, which is something I only realized being 20 minutes into the video. So what is intermittent fasting? That's the topic of the video and therefore we will get right into the video even without speaking breaks. No, it's basically skipping breakfast. Intermittent fasting is basically dividing the day into hours where you eat and hours where you don't eat. For some people this could mean that they only eat for one hour, which is pretty restrictive I guess. Also when it comes to social things, maybe two hours, maybe four hours. So let's actually, because the day has 24 hours, this could result in patterns of 22 to 2, 23 to 1, 23, uh, 21 to 3, 20 to 4, also 18 to 6. So we already see that when it goes down from 20, oh, I have a posture correction on and it's just, yeah, well, it's a little bit aching. Now, the thing is, when it comes to 20, we already see that we use the two heuristics. So basically everything is a, a multiple of two, if that's the word for it. Everything can be divided by two, that's what I'm saying. So we have 20 and then we have 18 to six, then we have 16 to eight. We, I mean, you could potentially also do 17, but that's just easier, I guess, to stick to the even numbers. And then we have 14, theoretically we have 14 to 10, but we also would have 12 to 12 and 10 to, 10 to 14, but that's kind of where it ends because uh, that's then not really called intermittent fasting anymore because you are not really restricting yourself. But there is also the circadian rhythm, which is basically just eating whenever the sun is up or eating whenever you are awake. It depends on which source you state, I would say. But the main idea is it doesn't really make sense to eat whenever the sun is down because of the circadian rhythm. Because basically, um, humans are kind of adapted to the environment. This means whenever the light is off outside, at least, we tend to I just uh, put this microphone a little higher, therefore the audio is just off for a second. Now it's on again. Therefore, well, our bodies are kind of adapted to this um, eating whenever awake and not the other way around. And therefore, uh, this is an optimization you could potentially do and this would already do you some good if you just stay away from food whenever the sun is down or whenever you're sleeping because whenever you're sleeping you essentially are already fasting therefore intermittent fasting is usually like this just leaving the first dinner of the day the first meal of the day is called breakfast not dinner out why is this so nice first of all it's the easiest why because if you have a dinner in the evening then you essentially are already fasting and the more you are into a fast the easier it gets to stay in the fast that's just basic knowledge about fasting i guess and also true now when it comes to actually staying in the fast whenever you would eat breakfast i mean this is also kind of a theory i have for myself why 
do we like sweet breakfast foods? I mean, there you could potentially also eat a cucumber for breakfast, but that's something that's that hasn't been done in our part of the world, I guess. I mean, there may, just might be some people doing this kind of stuff, but that's not the usual thing. If you go to McDonald's or maybe even a healthier restaurant, you just get these very sweet breakfast foods. Why is this? Because in order to get out of the fasting, basically, you don't you just don't want like normal foods because you actually don't need food. Therefore, if you then increase things about the food that actually make you make you more likely to actually like the food, like adding fat and adding sugar, then you are actually then you can actually enjoy the things. But without these kind of things you just wouldn't eat, I guess, because it just wouldn't taste as good. Because the taste actually is pretty much on a huge correlation level with how much you are into fasting, how much you are into the ketogenic diet and also fasting that's kind of the same state of being, not being, but to the same state of metabolistic, the same metabolistic state, I, that's something you could say, I guess. So now, we already covered the typical fasting patterns. We already covered, you can also call it time-restrictive feeding. Why? Because you restrict, you restrict yourself to a certain amount of hours you would eat, and the other hours you just wouldn't eat. That's uh, thinking behind time-restricting restricted feeding. Now let's cover basic nutrition 101. Basic nutrition 101 looks like this. You get food into your mouth and then into the digestive tract. Also before this the stomach where it's kind of broken down on the physical level and then we have like the chemical level. Is it actually chemical? Probably because it not only changes its texture uh, but also changes how it actually is made. Probably chemical then it gets out again. Now the thing is, there are macronutrients and micronutrients. The macronutrients you probably already know, these are the carbs, the proteins and the fat. And on the other side we have the micronutrients and they now I have the chance to present themselves to the audience and the audience is then like, yeah. So we have the micronutrients which are vitamins, which are minerals and also additional things and also food has also other functions like being fiber uh, because it's actually a workout for the digestive tract you could kind of say so therefore that's this side of the equation now how do we break down things if you get carbs into your body what actually happens is that you so we get all of these things in our body that's the first step and then we take a look at how our body actually what our body makes out of this so the macronutrients are called macronutrients for a reason because our body uses them for energy. It could also potentially use the other things for energy, but maybe not. So the thing, the characteristic about the macronutrients is the body can potentially use them for energy. So what we use them most for is energy. When it comes to carbs, what happens is that you get them into your digestive tract and now the, your, digestive, your digestive tract is basically a source of blood glucose. So you have a certain level of carbs called glucose in your blood. That's a very simple uh, form of carbs. So carbs come in different forms, like sugar is very easy, a very easy molecule. And the more, the long, the longer the molecule gets, the more complex it of course also gets to break it down into simpler molecules. That's the reasoning behind this. Therefore, it's very, the sugar you eat, for example, is very 
are easy in terms of how the molecule has actually built. Therefore, it also is very easily transferred into the blood stream. Now, your digestive tract acts as a source. The next thing is that we have a depot of glucose in our body and this depot is called your liver. And in your liver, you can store a few hundred grams of glycogen. This means whenever you then when you have a, whenever your digestive tract is like, I'm off for the weekend, no more work for today because it's all done, and therefore your digestive tract doesn't act as a source of energy or just things trans being transferred into your bloodstream anymore, and therefore you now have to rely on internal sources because most of... So there's this thing that the digestive tract is basically a huge tube that's going through your body, and therefore what's in this tube is, isn't really in you, it's just in this tube. And therefore, it's not really an internal source, but much more an external source. Therefore, now, if the food is now out, and it's not out, but it's in a part of the digestive tract where you just don't get nutritional value from it anymore, now what happens is that all the carbs get either already released into the bloodstream and then are used up right away or they get stored in the liver or they get stored in the muscles so the muscles can store glycogen in their basically in their cells and this also means so the muscles are basically all like we don't give the glycogen to you blood again but once it's a one-way thing therefore whenever you work out also in a fast state you're still using glycogen within your muscles but you may run so you may just run not totally on glycogen, but only from your muscles. Now, and once your muscle glycogen is depleted, then it could get restored also by using something else called protein or fat. So basically, because they can be broken down, they can also be broken down and then be actually being converted into carbs again. So basically glycogen. Now, what happens? with fat is it either it also gets either into the blood and then you use it but only if you are so carbs are kind of the preferred fuel of the body why because they are kind of quicker at least when it comes to certain scenarios now once you get the fat into your body then it comes into the blood and if it's not needed at the moment because the power consumption is below a certain level so basically the amount of energy that would be would have would be provided by the amount of fat in the bloodstream is bigger than what you actually need. Therefore, you store it as fat. Then about protein, you cannot really store protein apart from actually using the protein to build up things like muscle or other things like proteins, actual proteins. Now, the thing is, you actually have these two different modes, either burning fat or burning carbs, and they also kind of work together. So there's a scenario where they also work together. So in between. But the thing is, whenever you eat carbs, you basically run on carbs and then your digestive tract is off for the weekend. And then what happens is that you just use the liver glycogen or the glycogen in your muscles. And you use the liver glycogen basically to keep your blood sugar at a stable level. Also for your brain, for example, because your brain actually uses 100% of glycogen in the carb burning mode. So now, what happens when the carbs run out? So the liver carbs, the liver, the carbs in the liver kind of run out. Then you get hungry again. Here's a theory I have why this is the case. Whenever you ate something, you are, in terms of 
temporal dimension very likely to have access to food again. Because, for example, if you, in the past, in evolution, when you were hunting and then you ate, then there was still meat left, kind of. Now, the more you get into a fast, the more you get into fat burning and the more you get away from, from burning carbs and the more you also get away from being hungry. So this would kind of make evolutionary sense and also the more you are into a fast, the higher your cognitive abilities kind of tend to be. Because why would it, would it have made sense in the past? Because the more you are into a fast, the less, the more you actually need food again. Because your body cannot survive three years without food, but only like 30 days. For some people, I mean, of course, this depends on the fat mass. There were people who fasted for like a year or two. Uh, I don't know the exact thing, but anywhere between a year or two, it was like 300 days without food, I guess. And of course, there are also other things like micronutrients then. But what I'm saying is this. The more you get into a fast, the, the better it would be for your body to actually be in a state where you actually could get food again. This in the past could have meant that you were a better hunter. So how do you make yourself a better hunter? By maybe increasing brain power. So now the thing is, once the glycogen process is done and the glycogen or the glycogen is gone as a source of energy, this doesn't mean that you that you muscles now also run on fat only to a very small amount, I guess. The thing is, you can actually produce glycogen from protein and also fat but mostly from fat because as we already said the protein is mostly used for unless so the protein is mostly used for building things unless you are running out of fat and also carbs and then you just use the muscle in order to uh, survive but only a very small part compared to the others now the thing is your body switches into fat burning mode what is fat burning mode it's burning fat and then to a certain part, converting it into carbs and then getting it into the bloodstream again. Uh, it's mostly converting it into carbs, I guess. But the thing is, as a byproduct of converting fat into carbs, there is this thing called ketones. And what a ketone actually is, is just something that can be burned because your body was like, this is already there. Therefore, it would like be an evolutionary benefit to also use this for energy consumption. Therefore, your brain actually can run on ketones as well as some other parts of your body. Now, the thing is, your brain actually can use ketones for 75% of the brain's energy consumption. This means, whenever you are really into the ketogenic diet, so already a few days into the ketogenic diet, and you pretty much reduce your carb intake, depending on the sources, either to 50 grams per day or to 25 grams per day, and also in between, of course, but the thing is that the liver glycogen is not filled up to a certain, up to a certain level. And this means you don't get into the process of burning carbs again. And also because you don't have carbs in you, in you. So basically, once you eat food and you are into the ketogenic diet, you don't have the digestive tract as a source for carbs. And you also don't fill up the liver glycogen. Therefore, you don't have any sources of carbs. Therefore, you then run on fat again once your meal is done. Now, why intermittent fasting now? Because it gets you actually more fat adapted. Most of us aren't really fat adapted. Only the ones who didn't like intermittent fast or skip meals through their entire teenage years. But the thing is, if you ate cereal for breakfast throughout your entire youth, then and you also ate dinner and ate lunch, then I mean, 
in, in the night you sometimes get into fat burning and uh, of course you also randomly get into fat burning what i'm talking about is very deep states of fat burning also called ketosis this is the name ketones ketosis all these things are connected also the ketogenic diet it's also the same word now the thing is that the better fat adapted you get the also the easier the switch between the carb and the fat burning is so therefore so the carb burning and the fat burning therefore the hunger is actually the switch between so there are two switches that happens this is something i experienced like a few hundred times therefore i mean at least when it comes to my own experience this is how it looks like after a few hours after you ate the meal you and your digestive tract is off for the weekend this is the first sign where this is the first period where you are a little bit hungry or a little bit more hungry depending on how much you ate and also depending on how how fat adapted you are and also depending on 10,000 other factors like how much sleep you did get and if you're sleep deprived and well now the thing is this is the point where your blood glycogen actually already drops so the blood glycogen actually kind of drops because then the liver glycogen is not already onto onto the thing so the digestive tract is like oh, yeah now it's out and then the liver glycogen is hey, wait a minute wait a minute and in between you are hungry so now then you use the liver glycogen and up to a certain amount of time this could be half a day this could also be a day depends on how active you are in between also depends on how much sleep you get in between also depends on other things the thing is after a certain amount also of course depends on how big as a human you are if you are two meters then your liver glycogen store is probably a lot bigger but you also use more energy and therefore there are different factors playing into this this is what i'm saying now when it comes to when it comes to switching again so the liver glycogen drops and if you then don't eat actually the fat process had to uh, ramp up the production the burning production and what happens is that you get hungry again if the liver glycogen drops to a certain level now this is the second switch what i call switch and now the the most one of the big advantages of leaving out breakfast is that if you eat dinner then overnight you sleep so this could mean that your last dinner or your last bite was at eight this means eight plus maybe eight hours of sleep let's just use this it would already be 12 hours of fasting therefore you switched you not switched but skipped the first switch the first switch usually happens after your digestive tract signs off i mean this depends of course on what you eat sometimes things are in the stomach for days but most the carbs for example are digested very fast i guess so also i heard this about fat that fat is basically after four hours it's basically done but of course if you eat like 10 kilograms of food which is something your stomach is really not able to so digest or actually keep then it of course looks different than if you only eat like one banana now after four hours you already switch this thing uh the first switch to running on internal glycogen and then the second switch is when you actually switch to mostly fat burning and if you you could potentially time this 
such that you sleep in both switches because if you sleep in the switches therefore you are not consciously hungry and this is a really nice feeling to never be hungry again because you just sleep whenever you would be hungry therefore intermittent fasting in terms of this makes sense you could also intermittent fast by leaving out dinner which is also a very practical thing because then you are even deeper into the fasting state whenever you wake up therefore you also already skipped the second switch just by sleeping of course you would have then the first switch whenever you are still awake but if you for example eat around lunchtime or in the late afternoon and then you do like a workout what the workout is basically doing is it is advancing you in time more than you would be than you would at once otherwise in time this basically simulates having spent more time in a fasted state if you don't eat during the workout so or the sport so what this does for you is it kind of if the hunger period would be in between and you are like running at 15 kilometers per hour or 20 kilometers per hour then your body is like yeah but we need it right now and not like yeah how about eating again so it's like right now therefore it amps up fat production not fat production but fat burning much more and much quicker therefore this is kind of a hack also leaving out dinner of course you could also potentially leave out lunch and eat breakfast but then you have both switches while being awake and therefore this is the reason most people don't do it this way if you just eat dinner then uh, you also have both switches depending on whenever you are active so the thing is whenever you're active you're basically you're basically kind of fastening up this process of switching and therefore it's if you're active during the day this actually could work for you but also if you're very active and you are like doing four hours of cycling and you eat before then you have this the first switch right after or while you are still cycling and if you're not very well fat adapted then this basically leaves you in a state where you are like you don't want to do anything you are running out of energy your muscles suddenly are like yeah um let's just go on to 20 percent of of actual power output compared to like three minutes before and this is something that happens again and again why because just the glycogen in the muscles is then out and the thing is of course in also fasted states and also when it comes to the ketogenic diet it would make no sense if the body couldn't produce the glycogen that is going into the muscles on its own therefore for the whole day kind of whenever it has the power or the time at a certain level fat is converted into glycogen again that is then filling up the muscles again there are also other tricks involved like actually depleting yourselves off of glycogen for a certain amount of time through fit intermittent fasting or through the ketogenic diet and then when you go into what actually happens as a side effect of getting more fat adapted is that your body is actually using carbs more resourceful why is this the case because it just doesn't have as many carbs therefore it's not like yeah just put it all in but much more yeah use another carb <laughs> i just laughed at my own joke now the thing is here's another carb actually it makes you value the thing more i mean this is not this is only in terms of human language and how we interact and see actually things and see have the perspective on how valuable things are but the body actually gets just more uh efficient burning carbs this also means that you then get into carbs again that you feel like a king and this is also something that already happened to me like so just so many times you are like then yeah this because if you are in a fasted state what happens is that you sometimes have these periods where you have to switch and then you feel like this is actually the fasting but of course it's not really the fasting it's only one part of the fasting and 
the thing is, the crappier the food you ate before you actually fast, the more difficult it will be to then not eat again. So the more sugary, the more. So the combination of sugar is, the, of course, the devil when it comes to these things. Why? Because sugar increases the insulin. It basically spikes insulin up to infinity and also sugar. But of course, then also insulin kicks in. So basically, if you have like the sugar curve, so the glycogen curve, in the bloodstream, also sugar, then the insulin kicks in and then both flatten out again. The thing is, if you now, the, the higher the spike, the faster actually the insulin has to kick in to prevent actual vessel damage in our bodies. Another thing is, the higher the insulin spike, insulin is basically also works as a key for opening up the cells. Therefore, if you now combine insulin, so a lot of insulin, foods that are very insulin insulinogenic is kind of the word I think then what happens is that you also open up the cells for the fat this means you also open up the fat cells this means if you combine both so if you only ate fat then you basically so proteins so the higher the less complex the carb actually is the higher the glycogen spike because the faster it actually gets to the bloodstream Protein also increases, so also triggers insulin and fat does, all, but at a very small amount, to a very small amount. The thing is, now if you are into the ketogenic diet, you mostly stay to fat and protein. Of course, also a little bit carbs. This means the insulin is very low. That means a lot of the fat that actually gets into the blood stays in the blood until it's used up again, instead of being all converted into, into our own body fat because you also have the insulin. This means you shouldn't eat a peanut. Uh, so there's this thing called... Uh, what is it called mr tom for example where you have peanuts combined with honey or sugar this is the reason also the combination is so uh tastes so good because in when it comes to evolution this was something you actually wanted to strive for because it's just very energy dense food and very energy dense food was in the past very rare if you had like carrots i mean carrots have quite i mean they don't have in terms of compared to nuts for example the comparison is just nuts because they are basically not food even because all the vegetables apart from like vegetables that have very high amounts of fat like avocados or avocados depending on how you pronounce it they actually have so little calories for example tomatoes have like 10 kilo 10 calories for 100 grams and 100 grams of nuts have like 600 calories we're talking kilocalories there is this thing that it's actually so the short version we use in daily life is actually calories but it's actually kilocalories this means every normal calorie we speak about is actually a thousand calories but that's just units guessing so this is one intermittent fasting 101 also getting into fasting because intermittent fasting let's face it is fasting and you could also potentially train your fat level your fat burning up to also use it basically for sport because if you run out of carbs in sport and you do sport for more than four hours and you're not using fat burning then at a certain level this means that once you would switch then the switch is just easier and you're not getting into this hangry phase hangriness is basically being in one of the two switches and that's the end i guess for this small 27 minute long guide about intermittent fasting